Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right. Well, great to be with you guys today. Happy Tuesday, October 31st. My name is Josh Sorensen, and I am one of the assistant pastors here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, right outside of Denver. I am filling in today for the good pastor, Jeff Figs, who I dearly love. What a guy. I'm so thankful for him. His teaching was just on right before Calvary Live here, and I just love his teaching. I love his church, Calvary Chapel Greeley here in Colorado. So thankful for him. So thankful for his hosting that he does here in Calvary Live on Mondays and Tuesdays. Of course, my pastor, Ed Taylor, is on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And again, my name is Josh, and I am the Friday host. We've got our producer, Dennis, in the house today. So Dennis will be the one that will be answering your phone calls and helping kind of produce the show behind the scenes. But we're so glad to be with you guys today on this, again, Tuesday, October 31st, also known as Halloween, which begs the question, doesn't it? What do we do as Christians about Halloween? Well, I'm going to answer that question in just a moment because uh, I've had a couple of people ask that question. And I'm going to tell you about something special that our church here at Calvary Church is doing today. As a matter of fact, in an hour from now. So for those of you listening on the East Coast, a week delayed, uh, of course, this will have happened a week ago, but we do want to extend an invitation to anybody local, anybody in the area that wants to make it out to something very special. But first, uh, order of business is we want to shout out and say hello to all of those radio stations that are currently carrying Calvary Live. Again, Calvary Live comes to you on 99 stations in 26 states. Amazing. Uh, nationwide, again, every Monday through Friday afternoon from 4 to 5 o'clock. And yes, again, this is live. Sometimes we'll have uh, shows that are pre-recorded. We call those encores, but this is live here today, so we do welcome your calls. Let me give out that number again before I shout out all those radio stations, so you can be the first one in the mix. 303-690-3000 is our number. 303-690-3000. In case you missed it, let me say it one more time. 303-690-3000. Give us a call. Uh, any Bible questions you have, we'd love to help process through that with you. Any questions on Christian living? or this question on Halloween that a couple people have asked. Uh, we'd love to help out with any of those questions. Or if this is just a day that you are carrying a lot of weight, uh, spiritually, perhaps physically, uh, you or a loved one is ill. Perhaps you have a prodigal son or daughter that's been weighing on your heart today. Uh, perhaps there are financial difficulties or just wh whatever it is. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble but take heart, because I've overcome the world. So we would love to pray with you about whatever it is that you are carrying. And the reason I say carrying is because sometimes these things do feel like weight, and they do feel like it's just sitting on our shoulders, and we feel sometimes that we're going to suffocate underneath the weight of what is thrown at us in this world. It can be so difficult, and we go through seasons where some seasons can be a little bit more of a reprieve, a little bit easier, and then sometimes it just feels like when it rains, it pours, and you've just got one trial after another, and it just hits you from the left and the right, and next thing you know, you're just, you're overwhelmed. But 
Jesus says um, that he gives us rest when we come to him. The psalmist says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I love that. And of course, Peter tells us that we can cast our cares on him, on, on Jesus, not on Peter, because Jesus cares for us. So all of that to say, we would love to pray for you today. So if that's something, again, that we can do, Calvary Live is one of those shows where you just get to pray and, and, and pray with a pastor. But, but what's more important is that we're going to Jesus. Jesus hears your prayer just as much as he hears my prayer. Uh, there's nothing special about the title pastor other than it is a calling, a gifting that the Lord gives to certain men. Um, but we're thankful that we get to be a part of your life through this this show on the radio, Calvary Live, and uh, that we get to pray for you. And what's wonderful, again, is we've got so many others that are listening in right now that will agree with the prayer, pray with us in their cars, uh, in their earphones, in their kitchens, on the treadmill, wherever they're listening to the show right now, they will gather around your prayer request, which I think is so powerful. So again, let me give you that number, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at our 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week text line. We take prayer requests here all the time. Uh, you can ask questions there as well, if that's helpful, um, but you can also share your prayer requests there, and we will for sure get to every single prayer request. We might not always get to every question that comes through, so if it doesn't get answered, Text us again uh, the next day, and we'll eventually get to your question, but, but guaranteed we will get to every single prayer request that you, you give us on that text line. So the number there, the text line, 720-336-0897. Again, 720-336-0897. And if you'd like to call in and be on the air with your question or your prayer request, 303-690-3000. Uh, again, great to be with you um, here in the studio of the Grace FM Radio Network. We have two stations here in Colorado, 101.7 in Southern Colorado, 89.7 here in Northern Colorado, uh, the suburbs of Denver. Uh, we also want to welcome all of you that are listening on the Radio by Grace Network, which I see now is 73 stations uh, all over the United States. So we're so thankful you guys are part of our Calvary Live family. Of course, those of you listening a week delayed on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, uh, those of you on the East Coast, Florida, Pennsylvania, Maryland, all the way up into Idaho, wherever you are, we just want to, again, welcome you. We're so glad that you're listening, so glad you're a part of the show. And of course, we want to welcome everyone who's listening on the Grace FM app, which you can get, of course, for free at gracefm.com. So again, this is Calvary Live, 303-690-3000. We'd love to answer your questions about the Bible, Christian living, what does it mean to have a Christian worldview in the days that we're living? We'd love to pray for you. And so a question that has been coming in, and we've got a couple text messages that have come in on this question, is should Christians celebrate Halloween? Should Christians celebrate Halloween? We are here on Tuesday, October 31st. And that's a question because you'll notice some churches uh, will have nothing to do, or some Christians, I should say, will have nothing to do with Halloween at all. And then there are other Christians that will be out there trick-or-treating tonight. And, and then there are churches that are hosting kind of alternative events where there can be a godly environment on this night. So what do we do as Christians? Well, I would say the question, should Christians celebrate Halloween? I would say we don't want to celebrate Halloween, but the... But, but can a Christian participate in Halloween is a different question. Uh, Halloween is something that for some 
um, would compromise their faith. It would be very difficult for them. Why would it be difficult? Because there are pagan origins to Halloween, and I think that's without question. Um, there are also, by the way, pagan origins in, uh, to Christmas. There are pagan, pagan or, origins to Easter. Um, we don't have to get into all the specifics of that, but Halloween is, is, is different in the sense that it's particularly dark. It may seem innocent to some, um, but of course we know anything uh, that has to do with death or the occult or witchcraft, all of those things are forbidden in Scripture. Fortune-telling, uh, that, that's very clear in Scripture. Necromancy, those kind of things. So we do not ever want to celebrate uh, any of the works of darkness. Paul talks about that, right? Now, should a Christian participate in Halloween? Uh, is there anything evil about a Christian dressing up in an innocent costume and going around the block asking for candy, right? That's the question most people want to know. Is it okay for me to take my kids and do that? Well, here's the thing. No, there's nothing evil about that at all. Um, there are certainly things about Halloween that are anti-Christian, and we certainly would want to avoid those. But if parents are going to allow their children to participate in Halloween, I would say, Make sure that you are keeping the darker aspects of the day out uh, of the equation. Um, again, there are certain uh, Christians that will take part in a Halloween uh, and in and, and their attitude and their dress and most importantly, their behavior. Um, they can reflect a redeemed life on this day that celebrates darkness and death. Um, there are Christians that hand out tracts on this day. What an awesome opportunity to be able to go on mission in your neighborhood and get the gospel out, um, to be able to turn your lights on and, and, and enjoy people coming to your home with a smile on your face and celebrating the love of Jesus. But here's the whole point. The decision is ultimately ours in the spirit of Christian freedom. So that might offend some people that are absolutely against Halloween, um, but I might have offended some people that, are, that absolutely love celebrating this day. The point is, Romans 14 is very clear, and I'll just read to you this little portion about Christian freedom here. It says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. But here's the point. Let him who eats despise, uh, let him, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. And then this is the point I want to make. This is Christian freedom here. Paul calls this the law of liberty. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand." So that's Romans 14. There's many other places in Scripture that talk about the fact that we have in the Spirit Christian freedom with some of these types of decisions. Um, and, and Halloween and participating in some of the activities of the day would be one of those. But we can't allow our convictions, um, certainly we can't go against our convictions. So if it's your personal conviction not to be active or participating in a day like this, then between you and the Lord, you stand on that conviction. But if it's your conviction that I will not celebrate death and darkness and witchcraft, but um, I will take this opportunity to redeem this day and, and, and go meet my neighbors and let my kids get all the candy and all of those things, then that is, again, your conviction and you stand on that. But what we can't allow is for our convictions about a holiday to cause division. 
Uh, and, and that happens often when we're, when we personally are convicted about something, it creates division in the body of Christ. Nor on the flip side of that, can we allow our freedom? Uh, so if you are somebody that enjoys participating in this day to cause others to stumble in their faith. Uh, so we need to be very careful regarding these things. We do all things, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, for the glory of God, it says. And that's the key. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. So that's the answer to that question. Um, and, and certainly, again, there are things that Scripture forbids that we'd never want to be a part of. So the things that are in Scripture that are clear are clear, and there's no debate about that. Um, there are other things in Scripture that aren't so clear and so the, the Holy Spirit gives us an ability to go to him, to ask him. He convicts us. He leads us. He speaks to us. Um, and if it's not sin, uh, if, again, and I don't believe it's sin to go around to your neighbors asking for candy, um, th- but you may be convicted not to because of the day that it is. But that's where we need to seek the Lord. But Jesus is very concerned, again, that we do not cause division over these things. So hopefully that helps to the couple of you that asked a question. But I do want to say before we get to our our first caller here, and let me give out the number one more time, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Forgive me if my voice is a little hoarse today. I'm getting over a cold from the last couple of days, so I'm going to try to make it through this hour here without losing my voice. But I want to invite you all of this Halloween talk and uh, and answering these questions to something very special that we as a church are doing in less than an hour from five o'clock to eight o'clock. So if you're in the area, please come on out. We are doing something called the Family Fest. We used to call it a Harvest Festival, but it's Family Fest where we transform our property into this huge carnival atmosphere. Uh, It's going to include fun for all ages, so you can bring your little, little, little ones, your toddlers, all the way up to your grandparents, and there will be something for everybody. We've got bouncers, we've got a climbing wall, we've got slides and carnival games, obstacle courses, a trackless train will be in the parking lot, which is a lot of fun. If you remember that from last year, maybe a little too fast for some people's likings. Uh, face painting, we've got a toddler zone specific to your toddlers, and of course, tons of candy. So if your kids want candy, then this is the place to come because they will walk out of here with buckets full, literally buckets full of candy. Uh, and also, we have food trucks here. We've got um, Resurrection Coffee is going to be open, so you can come grab a latte or grab a chai latte or grab whatever it is that you want, hot drink tonight, hot chocolate, uh, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, three or four food trucks, just a lot is happening here. So again, 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock here at Calvary Church in Hampton and Tower uh, in Southeast Aurora. The address is 18900 East Hampton Avenue, 18900 East Hampton, H-A-M-P-D-E-N Avenue. Zip code is 80013. All right, I'm going to give my voice a little rest here as we go to Emma calling us from South Carolina. Hi, Emma, how are you? Hi, Pastor Josh, and a blessed and beautiful day to you. Oh, uh, thank you. You too, appreciate You're that. You're very welcome. Get well soon. I hope your voice gets better. <laughs> thank you. So um, I'm calling Pastor Josh. Um, this is a, a issue I'm having. I have a friend, Katie, who uh, truly, truly believes in tarot cards, Ouija boards, crystals, 
witchcraft, potions, and all that kind of stuff. She had a very hard life as a young lady. Um, she was abused, all types of abuse. I don't need to get into it. Um, from A to Z, ever since she was a little girl, and she was never, ever introduced to God, Jesus, mm. or the Holy Spirit. She has absolutely no idea who Jesus is, what he did for us, and in Christian living. Now, she's been having a really bad time with mental issues. Okay. And um, I feel that it's demons that are getting into her spirit and her soul from being into those things of the, the tarot cards and the Ouija boards and so on and so forth, and that she's calling that to herself. How would I, being that she is maybe like just about in her 30s and has no idea about Jesus, mm-hmm. how can I introduce her to that? Because she bought herself a Bible once. She doesn't know how to pray. She doesn't believe in praying before she reads the Bible. Hmm. And she just randomly opened the Bible that she purchased once, read something out of context, got upset with it, and ripped up and destroyed the Bible. Hmm. To me, this is blasphemous. And I just, like, how do I introduce something out of nothing? Yeah. And, and so, sounds even know where to start. It sounds like at this point she's not interested in reading the Bible. You still there? Say that. Okay. Uh, I, because she bought a Bible, but what she read was out of context. Yes. And yep. she's quick to anger. Now, being that she's been doing this tarot cards and Ouija boards for a long time. Maybe it's those demons that are not liking what she hears. Sure. And that. Yeah. Great, great question. Let me go ahead and, and answer it. And I'm going to answer your question specifically, but I also just want to add a little context because I know there's many other people listening uh, with these questions as well. So w- anytime we want to share with somebody that has been caught up in what I would call occult practices, Ouija boards, witchcraft, tarot cards, so many people, even Christians, believe those things are innocent. Uh, they're they're fun. They're just games. You guys are taking taking it too seriously. I can tell you without a doubt. I've been a Christian for thirty years. I've been a pastor for twenty five years almost. Uh, I've seen. I've been around the church my entire life. I've seen a lot, and I will say that that people that um, are involved in in any of those things, tarot cards, Ouija boards. There is an invitation to something dark that they bring into their lives. I'm not saying that every single person is demon possessed, um, but there, but that is an opening that the enemy would love to take into somebody's life. So, for example, I, I was in California a few years ago, and uh, one of the things I was told by some of the pastors out there is, you'll notice that there's a lot of people out here that you'll, you'll notice a more spiritual atmosphere here in Southern California in the sense that there are a lot of people that are involved in certain kind of occultic practices. Uh, There was something called Santeria that was very big that was brought in from Mexico into Southern California. 
And, and so they just kind of gave me a heads up. You, you'll notice that. And so on a number of different occasions, there were people that came onto the campus and it was usually parents that were bringing their kids. And I'm not quick to say that this particular person is demon possessed or not, but I do believe that there were uh, a couple of people that came onto the property that not just did I think that they were demon possessed, but there were a group of pastors that would meet with these young teenagers or young 20-year-olds where we just looked at one another and said, okay, this feels like this is demon possession here. Um, And there's a number of reasons for that. But all we could do, of course, is pray. Um, We can get really weird with this stuff in the church. We can get really caught up in eccentric, uh, overboard when it comes to the, the the dark things of the spiritual realm. So we don't want to do that. But we did. We prayed over these guys. We prayed that any demonic uh, uh, possession or oppression in their lives would be, uh, that they would be free from that, um, that they would know that Jesus's blood has given them the ability to set them free. But as we would have conversations with these people, every single time uh, tarot cards were involved, Ouija boards were involved. And and by the way, not just with those kids, but the parents that brought those kids to us said, oh, yeah, well, we, we've been doing that for generations. We've had tarot cards in our house and we've, we've had Ouija boards and we, we've done these things because it's part of our culture or it's part of just g- Friday night games that we've done or we've – this has just sort of been astrology. It's been something that we my, – my parents did, so I do it. But I just want to say again, I've, I've seen the fruit of those things, and it never leads to a good place. On top of that, in the Old Testament, <clears throat> Exodus 22, Leviticus 19, witchcraft was a crime punishable by death. <laughs> in the New Testament, it's very clear about the occult in Acts chapter 8. Uh, the story of Simon there shows that occultism and Christianity do not mix You have the account of Elimus, the sorcerer, in Acts chapter 13, revealing that sorcery is violently opposed to Christianity. Paul calls him a child of the devil, an enemy of righteousness, and a perverter of the ways of God in Acts 16. At Philippi, uh, there was a fortune-telling girl who lost her demon powers when the evil spirit was cast out by Paul. So again, the interesting matter here is in all of these things is is that Scripture is clear that any of these things. And by the way, in Acts chapter nineteen, it's very interesting. Um, Paul says anybody that's been influenced, if you're a new believer, if you've come to faith in Christ, um, then you need to break from the former occultism by confessing, showing your evil deeds. Paul says in Acts nineteen nineteen, and he also says bring all of your magic paraphernalia and burn it before everyone. So I don't think he's saying that that's necessarily what we as Christians need to do all the time, but he's saying make a break from those things. Those things are no longer to be a part of a Christian's life. So I just want to address that to anybody that's listening. Uh, but Emma, in terms of your question, in terms of reaching this, this this young girl, we know that God has a heart for her, that he loves her. Scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I would continue to pray for her. Remember that Paul tells us in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. So simply presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, admitting that we're sinners, believing that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for our sins, rose again from the dead, forgives us of all of our past, present, and future sins, gives us a hope of life beyond this life, 
and then confessing him as not just the savior of the world in a broad sense, but my personal savior, that he, that he came and died for me and I need a savior. How wonderful um, that, that it's that gospel message that saves people. It's the power of the gospel that leads people to Jesus. So, so we pray for people that are caught up in the occult and in these practices. We certainly find opportunities to talk to them. If I knew this young girl and um, my wife and I were, were ministering to her, we would ask her if she'd be interested in coming over and talking about some of the things perhaps that she's been involved in and what, what the Bible talks about with those things. Or you had mentioned the verse that she read that was out of context, and so she tore her Bible up because she read one verse and, and, and didn't understand the context of it. Well, I would want to maybe see if she'd be open to, to, to talking through those things, at least seeing if there's an open door there to having that conversation. And then, of course, if she's not open and she's unwilling, then we pray. There's power in prayer. God softens hearts. And when we pray, we're not coming to a God that we're trying to convince to move in this girl's life and to save her soul. God's already, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. So we're praying, God, in agreement with your will for her. We know it's your desire to save her. So we pray, God, that you would do the, 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 the miraculous work of, of salvation, bringing her from death to life. God, would you do that? And would you allow her to see that the dark things that she's been involved in, again, whatever kind of open doors to demonic activity has been part of that, um, God is more powerful. He can break the chains of, the, of darkness, and he can set her free immediately with a word when, when she puts her faith and trust in Jesus. So we can't make that happen for her, of course, but we just a couple practical things. Pray, look for opportunities to have conversations with her. Remember the simple gospel message alone is the power to save, um, and then just kind of see where it goes from there. All right. Well, I don't. I I don't even know where to start. Like I said, I've been, I've been in the Bible since I'm six, seven years old, so I've I've learned lots, lots of the word. But from going from what I know, which is uh, I can't say a hundred percent, to going to zero percent, I don't even know where to start to introduce Jesus to her. Like. How she doesn't even know Genesis. She yeah. doesn't even know when the Lord rested on the seventh day. She knows absolutely nothing. The only thing she knows, Jesus, is the name of a young man in in, in Mexico. Yeah, Jesus. right, right. Well, I'll tell you what we do here at Calvary Church with any new believer. Um, we've got a new believer pack that we give to them. It explains specifically what the gospel is. But we tell every single new believer, here's where you start. Start in the book of John, and you'll probably, I'm sure you've been around the church long enough, you've probably heard that before, but the reason why John is a great place to start, it starts with the story of salvation, but, but it represents Jesus as the, as the Savior of the world in, in a way that's a bit different than Matthew, because Matthew's writing to Jews. It's a bit different than Mark and Luke. They, of course, give wonderful um, accounts of Jesus' life. But, but the, the theme of the book of John, the way that John writes, it's, it's a gospel of love. It uh, speaks a lot of the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Of course, so many of the famous passages, John 3.16, when it comes to summarizing the gospel, are found in the book of John. But, you know, we, we just have to present that before 
the people that we're praying for and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. Um, and so what we do here at the church is we we say, read through the book of John. We're happy to help answer questions. We've also got a new believer pack that gives them a lot to read about what the gospel is, who God is, why God created them, the purpose of life, some of those bigger questions, but but simply pointing people to Jesus, getting them in, their, in his word, assuming that they're willing to do that. John is a great, great place to start, and we've seen it bear fruit here at Calvary Church with with our new believers that come come into the doors here. All right. Well, Pastor Josh, that sounds great. I'd love to know how to get one of those uh, new believer packages so that I can share this with Katie. Wonderful. That that would be awesome. And what we're going to do is we're going to put you on hold because we're coming up on our break here, but Dennis is going to get your oh. information and we will get you that uh, new believers pack, which I think would be really helpful for Katie. All right, we're going to take a break here. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right, so good to be back with you here on the second half of Calvary Live. My name is Josh. I am, again, the host today, filling in for Jeff Figgs. I'm also one of the assistant pastors here at Calvary Church and also the host on Fridays here at Calvary Live. So I'll be back with you on Friday. So good to be with you. We've got questions coming in. Great stuff. Uh, we we had uh, a brother uh, from, I think it was Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I don't actually have the message here in front of me, um, but he was saying, why, why can't we as Christians just say no to Halloween? And I would say, absolutely, Christians can say no to Halloween. Um, so if that's your personal conviction to say no to Halloween, say it. Um, but again, as I mentioned earlier, some people like to take the opportunity to redeem the day and meet neighbors and give tracts out and share the gospel of Jesus. And so, so that doesn't mean then that in any way that you know that they're in sin because their kids are dressing up and going around getting candy. That that's okay. Um, but we got to be careful that we don't just say to them, "You must say no because I say no." Because that's that's again where Scripture says that these are some of those things that we we need to weigh carefully and be careful not to judge another man's servant. But but yes, of course we can say no to Halloween. We can say no to anything, especially if we're convicted about those things. So absolutely, I, we we can say no. And uh, and I will tell you in my life too. When I was younger, we didn't celebrate Halloween um, with my kids. That was just a personal conviction. Uh, and when I say celebrate, participate in is probably a better word because we we still don't celebrate <laughs> what Halloween in so many ways represents in our culture. But um, but later on, as we began to pray and we talked to other pastors and other believers, and we got a little bit of a bigger perspective on some of these things, we did allow our kids to go out and get candy, and we got to know the neighbors, and it ended up actually giving us more. More opportunity for ministry, uh, and and it was beautiful. Got to know neighbors we'd never talked with, and so, I, but but again, weigh these things out between you and Jesus. Don't listen to me. Uh, it's, it, who cares what I have to say? You want to know what Jesus says and what His Word says. And so again, there are some very clear things that His Word says. Don't participate in the works of darkness, death, witchcraft. We just answered a question about tarot cards, Ouija boards, astrology. All of that stuff is an absolute no. Scripture is very, very. 
very clear on those things. Um, but can you take something that the enemy means for evil, where God can work it for good? Can you take something and be involved in that particular day and use it for ministry, use it as an opportunity to bring light into darkness? I think so. But again, you may not, and that's okay. We can we can agree to disagree on some of these things. Um, but again, this won't make everybody happy because some people are personally so convicted about this that they believe everybody should be convicted. And I understand their conviction is very strong on these things, and there are other people that are a little bit more lenient on some of these things and their own personal convictions because, again, they want to try to redeem an opportunity like this. So I don't mean to cause any controversy by that. I, I just want to answer a couple questions that have been coming in. But yes, if you are in any way convicted, you need to go to the Holy Spirit, which again, Pastor Ed, I always love what Pastor Ed says here. You, we are just vehicles. We're not the final say in your life. God's word is the final say. So go to his word. Weigh these things out in his word. Weigh, look at what Christian freedom and Christian liberty is and how that applies to this. Look at what his word says about these acts of darkness. And then you determine between you and the Lord, particularly as a parent, where you're going to stand on these things. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to stand with Calvary Live or Calvary Church or Pastor Josh or Pastor Ed or Pastor Jeff, you're going to stand before the Lord on your own and how you raised your kids and how you read the word and how you sought the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit and his wisdom in your life. And, and that's most important. So go to his word, go to scripture, uh, and, and certainly talk to your pastors, talk to others in your life that have gone on before you in these things. But, um, but, but make sure that, of course, you're, you're, you're being true to what the Holy Spirit is convicting in your heart. That, that is something that, again, in Romans chapter 14, Paul talks very clearly about that. Also got a message here. Caesar from Denver wanted to let us know that in third grade, his costume was Moses. That's so awesome. Uh, I remember actually being Moses at one point too. It probably was somewhere around third grade. Um, but our church, Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, we used to have uh, a, a night where we would have people come and rather than dressing up in all sorts of characters, we had come out and dress up like Bible Bible costumes and Bible characters. And so that was a ton of fun uh, to have people coming out, dressing up in all sorts of characters from the Bible. Again, I don't want to fail to mention one more time that we here at Calvary Church are doing something special for tonight. Uh, we are giving an opportunity uh, for you to come out to something that's called Family Fest. We're transforming our property here into a huge carnival. As a matter of fact, it's already transformed. We as a church staff have spent the entire day getting it ready. There's going to be fun for all ages. We have bouncers in our parking lot right now, a giant climbing wall, which looks like a ton of fun. We're going to see Dennis on that climbing wall, I have no doubt. Uh, we've got slides and carnival games and obstacle courses and a trackless train ride. Uh, inside, we've got face painting. We've got a toddler zone, an area specifically um, tailored to your toddler so you can be away from the big crowd and all the noise. Uh, we've got lots and lots of candy. If your kids want candy, they're going to get more candy here than they would in any neighborhoods. So they'll walk away with just, – just have them bring their pillowcase and we'll fill their pillowcase with candy. And they will be happy for for the rest of the week. Maybe you won't be happy as a parent, but they'll, they'll love it. Uh, so we've got all sorts of stuff. On top of food trucks, if you want to come have dinner here, 
Uh, we've got Resurrection Coffee is going to be open and available. So uh, just come out and make some memories tonight. It's going to be awesome. Uh, again, we just want to provide a light on what is often a dark day and just share the love of Jesus and redeem this day. And that's what we as a church have felt that we want to do. And we want to give an opportunity for our not just our church family, but our neighborhood and our and our community to come on to the church and just to sense and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here, to know that they are loved by God, to know that Jesus loves them, knows them by name. That's the heart behind all this. We've been praying towards this day. This is one of our biggest outreaches as a church. Uh, we will have anywhere from four to five thousand people on 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 the campus based on the on the uh, the history of of this event. So. Massive for us and just a big deal. Uh, we put a lot of time and investment into this. So, uh, so we want to invite any of you guys that are in the local area from five o'clock to eight o'clock, which is in the next 22 minutes <laughs> till eight o'clock tonight. Again, we are at Calvary Church on Hampton and Tower, which is in Southeast Aurora. Let me give you the address here. 18900 East Hampton Avenue, H-A-M-P-D-E-N. And our zip is 80013-18900 East Hampton Avenue on Hampton and Tower here in Southeast Aurora. All right, we've got all our lines full, so we're going to go back and uh, answer some of these calls coming in here as uh, as you guys have been waiting. Thanks for your patience. Let me give out the number one more time, and uh, once we get through these calls, feel free to give us a call. Uh, we'll be available for the next 22 minutes here, 303-690-3000. We're going to go to TJ here in Denver. Hey, TJ, thanks so much for waiting. Sure. Hey, Pastor Josh, how you doing? Doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I can't complain. Great. Uh, Wonderful. So a theme, a theme that's been happening for me this last week, something around the Holy Spirit, kind of like three different spots, questions that kind of come up. But the main question is, in heaven, are we going to see three different persons or one unified person, God, like Jesus is preeminent king and dominant? Or, or like what, you know, what is that going to look like? That's a really, really good question. So let me, I, I do this a lot when I answer a specific question. Uh, I want to try to broaden it a little bit because I know we've got so many other people listening that may not even know exactly what the Trinity is. Um, the quick answer to your question is, I'm not exactly sure, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you're absolutely right that they are three persons. So without going too deeply into the doctrine of the Trinity— um, we know that the Father is not the same person as the Son. The Son is not the same person as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the same person as the Father. So they're not three gods. They are three distinct persons, yet they're all one God. And I, I understand that on, on the initial saying that, it, it seems that it may not make sense to us. How can you be three persons but one God? But they each have a will. They each speak. They can each love. Uh, they each are demonstrations of what, of what we call personhood. Uh, they're in absolute harmony with one another. They're co-eternal. They're co-equal. They're co-powerful. That means God the Father is not the, the large God and Jesus the medium God and the Holy Spirit the small God, right? They're all equally and simultaneously God. But in heaven, again, yes, there are three persons in heaven, but will we be able to actually see them? The reason I say I'm not sure, um, you know, what we get a beautiful picture into heaven in Revelation chapter 4. 
and it gives us a description of the throne room. It gives us a, a, a beautiful picture that the throne is occupied by God and the Lamb, and it tells us there of the colors, um, you know, carnelian, the appearance of jasper and emerald and a rainbow encircling the bottom of the throne, a sea of glass. And, and so there is something there of God, but Scripture also tells us that God dwells in un, unapproachable light, uh, and no one has seen or can see God. It tells us that in 1 Timothy 6. God is described in terms of precious stones. That's kind of the picture that Revelation gives us. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this about God, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So some have said because of his holiness, it may be that we'll never be able to actually look upon his face. Uh, But again, that's speculation. We do know that in heaven, the lamb stands in the center of the throne, and there's all these beautiful descriptions of him. And of course, the lamb represents Jesus Christ. Um, Of course, Jesus is the revelation of God to us in human form. Um, God is invisible, scripture tells us. So there will be, of course, we'll be able to see Jesus. But I also think, too, Genesis tells us that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. So what exactly was that? We don't know. Was that Jesus? Because Jesus certainly was coexistent there with God at the beginning. So were they walking with 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 Jesus pre-incarnate? Again, because so many places in Scripture we see Jesus being the one that's representative of God uh, to people. And then the Holy Spirit, by his very nature— is able to move at will. He can take various forms. Again, if you remember when Jesus was baptized, he descended on the, as, as the form of a dove on Jesus. At Pentecost, he accompanied them um, with a loud noise and was seen as tongues of fire. Uh, so it, it may not be possible to see the Holy Spirit either. I'm not sure unless he manifests himself in some form. But all this to say, that's why I, I answered at, at the beginning, I'm not exactly sure um, I, for sure, I know we'll see Jesus, and for sure, we'll, we'll, we will know God is there on the throne. But beyond that, again, heaven is wonderful. Uh, it's beyond our comprehension. It, is, it will far exceed our wildest imaginations. So we know this. We'll be worshiping our great God. We'll be full of wonder that this holy, powerful, omniscient, omnipotent God saved sinners. And the Bible says we'll just fall on our faces and worship a sea of countless faces around the throne. So that I do know. But again, will we be able to see all three persons of the Trinity? That's a great question. And time will tell. We'll we'll, we'll be able to answer that question someday for sure, certainly. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just that awe and wonder, I guess. You know, something that pricked my spirit this week. Like, wow, that's it really is amazing. And again, you know, like the, the scriptures I shared are just, it, it, those are scriptures in terms of like not being able to see God and God being in an unapproachable light. Those are the scriptures that we do have when it comes to God and what God might perhaps look like, although no one has ever seen God except in the person of Jesus and God is, um, his invisible attributes it talks about. So so, so that's what we know, um, but what we don't know is what, what will heaven be like on the other side when we're, when we're, you know, this mortal puts on immortality and we are in our new bodies. Will we be able to see differently? Will we be able to process differently? I'm sure the answer is yes, but those are just things the scripture don't give us 
specifics on. Okay. But we do know we do know we'll see the Lamb. We do know we'll see God on the throne, um, and the Lamb, because Revelation four gives us a very clear picture of that, uh, and it will be glorious. So I agree with you. Just the wonder and the mystery of it all is is yeah, certainly worth mean, comprehending. Yeah, then le- leaning into it on this side of Earth, you know, leaning to the Holy Spirit daily. Um, yeah, the per- the person of the Holy Spirit, like you said, that distinct. You know, not the, as the other two, but the very distinct person of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll tell you this: I'm so I'm so thankful for all three persons of the Trinity. I'm so thankful for God, our Creator. I'm so thankful for Jesus, our Savior. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, our Comforter. How they all have their roles um, in our lives. I'm I'm just so appreciative of of the Trinity. Yeah, somebody brought this up, John twenty twenty two, where Jesus breathed on the disciples and he gave them the Holy Spirit. I, I guess I never realized that. I just, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful wow. verse, isn't it? Yeah. And it, and so when God when Jesus breathes on you and says receive the Holy Spirit, I believe in that moment that the disciples received the Holy Spirit that they were indwelt in that moment with the Holy Spirit. And yet there was something they had to wait for. They were told in Acts chapter 1, and that is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So they already had the indwelling of the Spirit after God Jesus breathed on them, but then they were they were told to wait for the empowering and the filling of the Spirit so that they could go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth and preach the gospel. So pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think that's the part I got confused on, how you said that. You said, what, how'd you say that again? There was two people there, the breathing and then the... Yeah, so when he when, when Jesus breathed on the disciples, there's there's a Greek word, E-N, um, which means that the Holy Spirit indwells us. That, that happens at the moment of salvation for every believer. Um, there, I believe that's when the disciples were first indwelt permanently with the Holy Spirit. It was this was Jesus post uh, resurrection. Uh, so he came back from the dead, of course, breathes on his disciples. They were indwelt there with the Holy Spirit when he says, "Receive the Holy Spirit." But even after they received the Spirit, he they were told to wait for the promise of the Spirit. And so there's a difference between being indwelt with the Spirit and being empowered with the Spirit. And so they needed. Um, Acts 1.8 tells us that they were um, filled with power to be able to go out and be witnesses. And so that, that empowering is a, is a distinct work from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And, and we'd also talk about, we see in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, 7 and 8, kind of moving through the book of Acts, that they were continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is another way of saying empowered with the Holy Spirit. So this, this empowering is something that we seek on a regular basis. We're indwelt with the Spirit. He promises never to leave us, but he, he empowers us and fills us uh, with, with power to be able to do ministry, uh, to be able to do it with power behind it, not just in our own wisdom or our own strength, but with his power. And so there are two distinct things, being, being indwelt with the Spirit and then being filled with the Spirit. Or, or I should say, empowered with the Spirit. Awesome. No, this is, this is actually, yeah, this is great. This is just like exactly what I needed. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, this is awesome. You're welcome. I have. I want to recommend one quick little book that's so helpful with this. It's an easy to read little paperback. You can find it wherever books are sold. But it's called How to Be Filled with the Spirit, and he goes through goes through all of this that we just talked about, but in more detail. And it's by A. W. Tozer, T. O. Z. E. R. How to be filled with the Spirit. It's a great, great little easy to read booklet 
highly recommend. And then if you're interested more in a study on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the indwelling and the empowering of the Spirit and how the Spirit comes alongside us, uh, there's another great book called Living Water by Pastor Chuck Smith. So How to Be Filled with the Spirit by A.W. Tozer and Living Water by Pastor Chuck Smith are both great resources when it comes to this topic. Okay, cool. Awesome. I appreciate it, Josh. All right. You're welcome, TJ. Thanks so much for calling. Have a good day. All right. You too. God bless you. Okay. I see we've got two more people waiting online, uh, and we're going to try to get to both of you uh, if we get the time. But I believe uh, we're going to go here to, uh, let's see, line one. Okay. Alex uh, here from New Windsor. Hey, Alec. How you doing? Is that Alex? Yeah. Hello. Hey, brother. How you doing? Uh, doing well. Just got off work. Uh, so did you? Okay. I'm doing well. Good, good. Well, yeah. hopefully you get some rest now that you're off work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a question um, concerning the average Christian. Like, how important do you think that theology is to the average Christian? Because I know there's a lot of, like, you know, the debaters and, you know, apologists. And there's very few people who know Scripture that well. And, like, uh, I forget his name, very famous Calvinist, but uh, he's he's a debater and stuff. Yeah. How important do you think that is for the average Christian to to be able to do? Yeah, great, great question. I, I think it's very important, um, and, and I, I think the reason it's important is because theology— is the study of God. So the word theos is God in the Greek, um, and, and it's the study of, of God. It's his nature, it's his works, it's his relationship to the world. So we might not always think of that word theology when we're, stu- when we're asking questions, is there a God, or why am I here? Um, those are questions that everybody in the entire world, I'm sure, at one point has asked, is there a God, and why am I here? Um, and theology answers those questions. So I think it, it's very important. Um, you know, theology is different than science. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, the study of, because science aims to identify and classify observable facts, uh, but theology is a study of, of God who we can't see. We just talked about that. So um, beyond that, beyond the basic questions, I think theology benefits Christians. Um, there's there's a bunch of, of, of verses I could give you, but the Proverbs talks about the, the Lord giving wisdom. Second uh, Peter 1 says, His divine power has given us everything that we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Uh, and the knowledge of Him would be theology. Uh, also, theology involves a careful reading of the Bible. Um, and and that element of faith is necessary because if we don't study and read and understand God's word, we're not going to understand who God is and what he wants for our lives. Um, and so spiritual understanding are found in the pages of Bible. Of course, theology is important when it helps us differentiate Christianity from other world religions. As you mentioned, apologetics is a big part of theology. Um, yeah. But anyone that's seeking truth uh, and you know, wants to find themselves in the same company of the Bereans, uh, where, where in Acts chapter 17 it says right. that they were considered of more noble character, because when Paul was preaching there in Thessalonica, they, they received the message with great eagerness, but then it says they went back and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Uh, and I love right. that, they and they were counted as noble. So absolutely, I think theology uh, 
is great. One thing I think we got to be careful of is that word theology sometimes is, is immediately associated with seminary or Bible college or higher education. Um, and while that right. is true, I think the average everyday normal Christian can still study theology just by opening up your word and and studying what the Bible says. I think so you don't need those things as helpful as those things might be. Um, and we got to remember too that at the end of the day, the the overflow of theology should be love. When when we get to right. know God more, we're gonna we're gonna reflect Him more, and we're gonna love others. That's why Paul says knowledge alone puffs up and makes us proud and arrogant, <clears throat> but love right. is what edifies and builds up people. Right. Yeah. So great question. I really appreciate you asking that. What, what was what was making you think about that in particular? Well, my father is going through. Um, seminary right now yeah and he's he's very into apologetics and things it's like his hobby kind of thing so and he's very smart and i was just curious on your take because i i listened to you coming home from work quite a bit and i was just curious on your point of view for the average christian because a lot of people don't think it's necessary and i think it is probably of utmost importance that people know what God is, who he is, and what he's capable of. And Amen. The, 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 like people don't study their Bibles as one studies for a college test, let's say. Right. They don't study it with the same enthusiasm. That's one thing that the people that I share with and like my friends and stuff, they, I, I try to do this myself. It is granted it's difficult because I work 10, 12 hour days almost every day. Mm. But every day I try to read as much and take, you know, a digestible amount of scripture and go through it, not, you know, once a day or, you know, but I, I, I go through it multiple times and I try to, understand fully what is there yes and also not starting somewhere where there's a you know a therefore and then god said or something right you know just trying to get all of it so i'm not out of context so that that's great i i think you're right on i'm so thankful just even for your question but also your you your hunger for god's word like that Uh, we we need in this generation in these days that we're living we need more young men and young women like you like yourself that have a hunger and a passion for God's word and i think sometimes that word theology scares people because they think of theology as professors uh, or pastors and while it is true you know the bible says pastors that teach God's word they need to know the word of god to teach it because they're going to be held to a higher accountability. James chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that. They're, they incur a stricter judgment. So, of course, as any tradesman would want to know their craft, any pastor or apologist or professor that's teaching God's Word should know their the Word of God in order to be able to communicate it effectively. That's true. But the average person, you know, even the disciples, they had, they were just with Jesus and people took note of that. They were untrained, unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. Paul says, you know, again, that, that the, the wisdom of the cross is foolishness to those 
who are dying, but to us who are alive, it is life. It is, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And so the difference between the Bible and any other book on science or facts or any other books on truth is that the Bible is God-breathed. It's alive. It's living. It's active. Uh, it will never return void. So as you read and you're studying who God is and who you are and what God wants for your life, whether you call it it or not, you are studying theology. And the wonderful thing about God's Word is it is accomplishing something in you, even when you don't always understand it intellectually. Um, so even the weakest of us, or, or some of us might think, man, I'm the most untrained, I'm the most unlearned, I'm dumb, I can barely read, you know, you hear all those kind of things. But any of us, the most simple of men, can read the Bible and God can speak and communicate to their heart. And again, any study of God is simply a study of theology. It's wonderful. And then the, the more we grow in Christ, the more we study, the more we read, the more our hearts hunger for those things, the deeper we get into theology, into who God is and what his word communicates. Right. So it's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you, you know, maybe you're taking after your dad a little bit there. You, you know, you work in 10 to 12 hour days uh, and he's there in seminary, but who knows, maybe you'll end up at some point. Maybe God's given you a heart for his word because he wants you at some point to communicate it and to teach it. Who knows? It'll be awesome to see what God has for you. Yeah, I I appreciate it. Yeah, that I hope that I can gain more of a hunger for this because I've struggled for many years with not <laughs> having sure. any desire for Scripture or anything, and it's been really hard. Yeah. For me, but God is really doing some work. It's so awesome. I, I, I love it. You're, you're right. And I think for all of us, I think we all, even still to this day, you know, my life, I can struggle some days with a desire to want to read the word, especially if I'm, it's a day off and I just want to chill and I just, you know, don't want to, yeah. I, I read the Bible all the time. I'm a pastor. That's what I do. I need the day off. Right. But no, 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 you're exactly right. Like God gives us a hunger and a thirst for these things. And so I'm just so thankful uh, again for your heart, for God's word, but I'm so thankful that God gives us his word and communicates who he is and his love for us. So, Alex, thank you so much for calling, man. So great to have you listening from New Windsor, Illinois. Uh, and to all of you that are listening to Calvary Live, thank you. Hope you guys have a safe evening. We will be back tomorrow. And again, I'll be with you on Friday here on Calvary Live. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.